Hey gang, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodling Company. It's a podcast about music and Web3 and trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm McKeegan Boyce. Today I spoke with Tyler Bancroft, a musician, an artist manager, and a Web3 builder. Hailing from Vancouver, British Columbia, Tyler has been playing in and shepherding his Juno Award-winning band Set the Whale for the better part of two decades. He entered the Web3 space via the Social DAO, or Decentralized Autonomous Organization, Friends with Benefits, as well as the Web3 label Dreams Never Die, who he just joined as the Senior Vice President of Web3 Development. And this was all amidst a sudden restructure and tumult that recently came to a head in a tense town hall call. Taking inspiration from Canada's famously generous government-driven grants programs for the arts, Tyler also recently spearheaded the Listen Project, which is empowering the Web3 community to give unconditional grants to artists. We chatted about the launch of Listen, which just named its first grant recipient, joining Dreams Never Die in an especially turbulent time. This was the balancing act for Web3 culture that expects transparency and the fiduciary realities of running a business. And we probed at an uncertain future for music and beyond that will be increasingly embedded with artificial intelligence. Hope you all enjoy the conversation. Here we go. Hey, Tyler, it's great to have you here. Great to be here, man. As with all of these, I like to start at the beginning and just hear a little bit more about you, your story, where you know where you grew up, when your relationship with music first started, and then you know go on from there. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, stop me if I ramble, but um, start <laughs> at, the, at the very beginning. I'm from Vancouver, Canada. Um, I have been in the music industry for yeah, around like 20 years now. Um, more than that, if you count my high school exploits, uh, playing in punk bands and kind of trying to trying to make my way in that zone. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess it it really did all start for me. Uh, like the end of elementary school, was making music on four track recorder. Um, in high school, started a band. Ended up, um, you know having a, a fun little run with that doing a lot of diy shows we're like a, a pop punk band in you know the very early 2000s like 2000 through 2003 um and uh yeah i had like my own air quotes label uh <laughs> that i ran and and uh you know put the put the music out through there um went to university kept messing around with music, ended up leaving university to go take an internship at a music company in Vancouver. I, I went to uh, Victoria for university, didn't last more than a year, um, and was actually sort of like faced with this dilemma. I had I was either going to go do a year exchange in Australia or go back to Vancouver and do an internship at this record company. Um, mm. So I, I chose the music industry over, um, over the Outback. And... Um, <laughs> And then from there, formed a band called Said the Whale. That was in 2007. Um, ended up leaving the music company, though I, I had built some great relationships there with who I would now call sort of my music industry mentors. Um, and uh, yeah, started touring Canada. Um, ended up getting a manager and a, a very small record label deal here in Canada, um, largely based on the fact that Perez Hilton wrote about our band at one point. <laughs> Nice. Um, which was just a result of some hustle. So that was, that was like an exciting week, kind of flash in the pan thing, um, but, but got us a, a manager and a, and a label. And um, yeah, so, you know, since then have just been 
been building that band um, organically, you know, very um, great fan base and and great community surrounding that band. Um, seven records in, won a Juno Award, which is like the Canadian Grammy. Um, and uh, and then as time passed, I you know I was always the the businessy guy in the band, and so I eventually started managing some friends' bands. Um, that I just loved, and during a, you know, there we had sort of had a long in between gap in one of our record cycle periods. Um, started working at a record label here in Vancouver called Six O Four Records. I was actually on the Light Organ Record side, or they're kind of like sister sister labels. Um, so I was working on the label here, um, and then started taking on some more management clients, and then um, said the whale parted ways with our original manager, um, amicably. We're also still great friends. And, um, and then I started managing the band myself, um, mm-hmm. and that sort of, you know, provided uh, a little bit of a nest egg to, uh, to take on some more management clients from there, I started a record label. Um, and, uh, and that was sort of like right in the middle of the pandemic and or like near the end of the pandemic, I guess the, the label officially launched, um, and just like really, really felt the squeeze of, of everything. And stumbled my way into Web3 in October of 2021 um, via joining the Dreams Never Die community. Because I had been like a, uh, you know, I knew Haley Dilly, I knew Before the Data, and then I sort of connected the dots that this record label was a thing. There's, oh, we're like, you know, we're going to turn like into a, into a DAO. And I was like, what is a DAO? Mm. So like did a, did a deep dive, discovered Friends with Benefits, joined Friends with mm. Benefits. Um, and then, yeah, just got educated very quickly on that whole system, you know, played around with NFTs, won some, lost some, but generally, um, you know, everything I was doing was sort of through the lens of like, how can this improve the music industry? And, um, I think I still don't have the answer, but you know, we're all there. There's a lot of good people in this space kind of working towards it and experimenting with a lot of cool mechanisms and and cool things um to try and uh, solve for that so that uh, that's where i am now cool awesome thank you so when you first joined the dreams never die community and you were feeling this squeeze during the pandemic like what what was the first thing that you saw that that was kind of an aha moment with like oh there's there's something that's happening here that could maybe start to ameliorate this like squeeze i'm feeling you know pandemic induced music industry induced whatever totally i mean i think it was kind of twofold it was like the first thing i was um taken by i guess was you know the the welcoming nature of people in the space and Mm. honestly like i've never been like like a a make friends on the internet kind of guy that's just not really my, my jam um (laughs) for no no other reason that it's just like you know a bit awkward and and weird and it's just like never um been my thing um so that kind of changed quickly um with being in in dreams of her die and friends with benefits i quickly kind of came out of my internet shell in a sense Mm. i think a lot of people came out of their internet shell during during the pandemic and it was probably an, an unfamiliar thing for a lot of people to like start interacting on the internet as if it's like real life almost um, and then that paired with a financial win. And that was that I, you know, I was paying attention to sound XYZ from, from day one. And I minted one of the Oshi pieces 
like the, the very first sound drop. And then just kind of like for a laugh, I like listed it at 1.5 ETH and then it sold like two days later. Wow. Like, oh my God, that's crazy. And like at the time that was like $7,000 or something. <laughs> so all of a sudden I was like in this, you know, in these like two groups with like a lot of really friendly people who like shared a lot of similar interests with me. And I had just made money um, off like, a, you know, a JPEG with a song under it, <laughs> which obviously is not the experience that people are having with music NFTs at present time, but it was mm-hmm. a pretty enticing um, introduction. Totally. Yeah. And speaking of finance, I, I, you know, you reminded me of, you know, just going back for a second to pre web three days uh, to kind of introduce your other project, which, you know, I wanted to also dive into. Listen, uh, when we first connected of, over that, you told me an anecdote um, where I think you were in high school and you borrowed some money to finance your band's like first record or something yeah and this, and th- yeah and this kind of like was the beginning of your journey and also like you know i think if you could talk a little bit you know about the canadian artist grant system in general you, you know that would be helpful too yeah fi- financial wins are hard to come by in the music industry but <laughs> yeah. i think up, up here in canada we actually do have it very very well um compared to a lot of other places there's a very robust granting system in canada and you know, it does have its flaws. You know, it's it's easy as a Canadian who's been, you know, a, a beneficiary of a lot of those grants to kind of like, you know, take pot shots and stuff. Um, it's a it's an incredible system. You know, I, I've been on the road with my band and and met American bands and we'd say kind of casually like, oh, yeah, like, you know, the government paid for most of our record. <laughs> and, you know, they're just like scraping their jaws off the floor because they've all just worked like seven different day jobs to like scrape together enough money to to pay for like a you know a couple days in the studio and we've got Mm -hmm. the government of canada um supplementing our finances so um so that's awesome and you know when i was when i was in high school i actually did apply for a couple of those grants and and was rejected of course because my grant writing skills were were not (laughs) up to snuff Mm -hmm. um but the one that i did end up getting it was not a grant but it was a a loan from the business development bank of canada so I had to write a business plan. I was in grade 10 to write a business plan to like launch a record label. And that record label was going to finance my band's record. And so I, I applied for this grant. It was like a young entrepreneur, sorry, not grant, loan, pardon me, um, a young entrepreneur loan from the Business Development Bank of Canada. It was $3,000 Canadian, which, you know, for a high school kid, like was a lot of money. You know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd never seen $3,000 in my bank account before. and it was incredible and you know we spent it i want to say like semi-wisely but i'm sure we could have done better um either way you know we're like making the cds in our in like my parents dining room like whole production and like going into recording studios for the first time and so kind of you know burned through the funds put out the record it was awesome and (laughs) then you know had to pay it back which was the real tricky part because for us, like anytime we just broke even on something, it was it was a win, and we were considering uh, breaking even without the without the three thousand. So um, we we got lucky though because our drummer's dad was um, working in advertising and managed to slip our song into a cell phone commercial here in Vancouver, nice. and so that we were able to knock off the grant in one fell swoop, and um, so that to speak to what you were saying before was sort of the inspiration behind um, 
an artist grant that I launched here in Vancouver with my band Said the Whale and my label Everything Forever. We're co-funding this grant, and it was it was meant to just be a young artist grant, no strings attached, twenty five hundred dollars twice a year, and anyone. It started out as anyone under the age of eighteen could apply because I was really trying to like kind of speak to my own experience through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we eventually just opened it up to anyone anywhere, and ran that for a couple years, and then honestly just couldn't really afford to to spend that extra money because because the squeeze happened, you know, like all our live shows got wiped off the books and mm-hmm. COVID kind of ruined all that for us. So we didn't really have that um, extra income that we were able to, to, to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. And so that was um, the impetus for Listen, which mm-hmm. is basically instead of my band and my company co-funding this grant, it's 180 people co-funding the grant by way of purchasing an NFT and then the NFT grants you membership and access to this backend site that we had built out um, where there's a voting mechanism and it's a lot way more smooth. Um, I had a lot of pain points from the grant that I had administered before because it was a lot of just like Google Sheets and very manual labor intensive. Mm-hmm. And this has been a dream to go through mm-hmm. this UX and UI. And so, yeah, hats off to the devs here and the whole experience has been quite lovely and will hopefully be improved upon with every round cool yeah no i think it's a you know it's a really incredible project um and you know i'm grateful to be one of those 180 or or so involved in singing the songs and um and the winner of the first round was just announced today right that's right yeah yesterday uh yesterday yeah uh, he is the winner and just so happens to be that he's a you know super web3 native artist mm-hmm. you know has been had his hands in every single dao and is very well known in the space so um that wasn't a requirement for uh mm-hmm. for applicants and it just so happened that he rose to the top and i was really happy to see that we got over a thousand submissions to the first round of listen largely in part to the fact that I have like a weirdly large TikTok following. And so I made a TikTok about it and mm. it got like 85,000 views. Wow. And, um, and so we kind of, we went from like 50 submissions to like 500 overnight. And then over the next week, it just ballooned up to a thousand. And so it was pretty overwhelming first round. I will not be making any TikToks for the second <laughs> round. It'll probably be a slightly more streamlined process. Totally. What, what were some of the other like, key you know key learnings big takeaways challenges you know that came from this first round um well a lot of that is sort of still being figured out but the idea initially was that listen is to be um a grant for emerging artists and then in tandem with that a music nft investment group and for the first week to 10 days that was a very active part of the dow was mm-hmm. people in Discord proposing to buy different music NFTs. And, you know, we, we spun up this very simple, like, Google Sheet that, that, that we were using to populate it, this governance Discord channel where people were React voting for if they wanted to purchase something or not. And that went, was really good, like I said, for the first week to 10 days. And then it just fell off a cliff. And everybody kind of lost interest as soon as the voting round opened up. And that seemed to be more compelling a reason for people to be in there. Hmm. And um, so that's just been interesting. We'll, we'll see if that part of the DAO lives on. Um, but, you know, trying to make every one of these decisions 
as collaboratively as possible. So I'm sure that will go to a vote at some point and we can make the decision. Yeah, for sure. And and is the intention of, you know, the music and like music NFT investment side of things, is that to create, you know, another kind of like sustainable revenue stream for the community ultimately? I mean, if it were 18 months ago, that might be more the case. Fair, but I, fair. I think right now it's just, you know, thinking that we're, you know, sort of in a group with a bunch of like-minded people who believe that music NFTs are going to have value. But in this current market, it can be very hard to convince yourself that that's true. Mm-hmm. So I think probably for that reason, there's a lot of sort of just like, you know, a lot of shrugging happening. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to whether or not we should actually allocate this budget to acquiring these assets that may or may not be worth anything. Right. You know, there's a couple of people suggesting that we partake in some more like um, like IRL revenue ge- generating digital assets, like the royal drops that actually generate real royalties. Um, so that's that's a consideration, and, and I'm sure there'll be some discussion around that. But for now, um, yeah, it's undecided. Cool. I, I think I saw some other uh, some other conversation about whether it makes sense to continue to totally refresh the submissions, you know, that are happening each time, or you know, to carry forward some of the people who maybe didn't win, you know, in the first round, but got some really good feedback. You know, is that something that you continue to play around with? Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen. I, I got to go into an, anything to do with listen with just a completely open mind and realize that it's like I started the project, but it isn't right, my totally. project. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I do have, I have ETH invested in the project, which I would like to hopefully get back at some point. But, mm. um, but for all intents and purposes, it's a shared project. I don't feel like I have any ownership or final say over anything. So I think my personal opinion would be that we do a new round every time. However, if we see some artists that we might want to like nudge in the back room and say, hey, people really like your submission, you should probably submit again. We do have all of those email addresses. So there's, there's a way to, to connect with those artists and encourage them to apply again. Right. Cool. I mean, do you see this in any, in any, you know, is there like a reality where this could grow into being akin to a label where it's like a route toward identifying talent that's kind of crowdsourced um and you you cultivate that beyond just this kind of unconditional one ethereum that you're giving people for winning yeah i mean i think that's possible the obviously the tricky thing is like you take a bunch of people who have never run a record label before and then say okay you're going to run a record label that's a very difficult thing. You know, I've, I've, I've been in the business for, for 20 years and even I have trouble running a record label. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's an extremely fickle business and it's not for the faint of heart. Um, and that's not to say it's not possible. I'm, that would just be like the warning that I would issue. Um, mm-hmm. But to your, to your point of it being like this A&R pipeline, I do see there being value for, um, for use as like a discovery tool. And, you know, the DAO is actively seeking sponsorships moving forward with with some months. You know, we've been talking to a few other Web3 music communities about, hey, you know, would you like to sponsor this month of funding? And, you know, it's uh, it's goodwill for your organization. It puts your name on a lot of people's tongues. You have access to the Discord and, you know, everybody in the Listen Discord is very um, just a bunch of music lovers. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I think there's a, a unique uh, opportunity for, for some marketing dollars to be spent by other companies um, to fund the grant. And then in addition to that, you know, there's definitely some, some opportunity to approach labels um, and see if they would see value in kind of using it as, a, as an A&R pipeline. Um, totally. And maybe there's some sort of like, you know, value exchange that can be uh, negotiated there. Cool. No, that's yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Not not that record labels really want to like sift through hundreds of of demos, <laughs> and you know, a lot of them are are not at all ready um, to be invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I am aware that labels don't particularly want to like sift through just like you know a bunch of um, unrefined talent. I'll, I'll say. Yeah. Um, but there is value in the fact that you're kind of getting, you're getting like a crowdsourced version. And so at the end of the month, you are sort of like the, the stuff, it's almost like, it's like a manual algorithm where people who have mm-hmm. enjoyed something, it gets hearted and it rises to the top. And every, you know, over the course of two weeks, you start to surface the songs that are connecting with the most people. So I think there is, is value in that. It's kind of like. It's almost like if a record label gave their pile of demos to a hundred people and said, can you listen through these? And like everybody sort yeah. of like write a note on it and see if you like it. And then we're like, we'll listen to like the top 10 and see if we want to sign any of it. Yeah, no, no, that's a good analogy. And I could see like, you know, as, you know, as listen, you know, grows and matures, like, you know, that trust being cultivated over time and that potentially being shared, uh, by other labels and seeing that as, as, as like willingness to entrust this, you know, this community to kind of elevate some of these artists to the top and explore that as, you know, potentially in our row. I mean, I think that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of very passionate music fans in the listen discord and, you know, from, from day one, it's kind of been like, Hey, if you see something that really resonates with you and you have a way that you think you can help them out, go for it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to stop you. And in fact, everyone I think would probably support that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of labels and you know discovery and Web three, uh, I also want to talk about another uh, you know of your endeavors. We talked about dreams never die earlier, and you have recently moved into uh, you know into a larger role there, and uh, it comes amidst a time when there's been some some tumult within the community, and I uh, just wanted to get your your take and if you could share a little bit about what happened so people you, you know who haven't heard kind of have a sense and then if you could talk a little bit about your experience and like what you see in the potential you know dreams never die as as well yeah totally okay i'm gonna do my best to <laughs> to, to speak gently and carefully uh, about this but i mean first of all you know, Dreams Ever Die for me is 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 at the heart of it, a, a great community and have been formative in my Web3 experience and education when it comes to, to music. I think, you know, I was obviously brought in at a time where there was a bunch of terminations, which really rubbed people the wrong way, which is interesting because you know, Dreams Never Die may present as being a DAO or a community or whatever you want to call it, 
but mm-hmm. at the heart of it, it, it's a business. And, you know, it was, it was funded by Polychain. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, it's actually got a corporate structure and there are salaried employees. And, you know, as it happens in businesses, salaried employees are often let go or resign. And I think, you know, the decision to not speak about those in great detail was out of respect for those people who were let go or resigned. And, you know, there's, there's no sense in, in airing dirty laundry. But people who have been part of a community get to know these people and they're lovely people. They are lovely people. Um, that there's no, no one's questioning that. And I think, honestly, that's just one of the difficult things about building in public, which is what Dreams Never Die has essentially been doing from mm. day one. And there's this sort of expected level of communication and maybe like oversharing that Mm. feels weird to do sometimes because, you know, I'm sure throughout the, while we've been speaking, there've been like many people let go from their jobs, whether, whatever their jobs may be. Um, but there are no public statements about it. You you generally don't have to like explain why somebody's let go from a company. So Mm. it's, we just happen to be in this space where that has been set as the expectation. Mm-hmm. So that was obviously the beginning of a lot of frustration being voiced from people. You know, there was a call that went down. There was some arguing on the call. Some language was thrown around. It was not good. It was a tense environment. It was mm-hmm. hard to listen to. And I really don't think that, like, at the heart of this company, there is any intent to shut anyone down or remove anyone from the conversation i think it's really about trying to keep it alive and you know the path forward for for dreams ever die is to try and find a sustainable business model so that the community may continue to survive because you know employees of the company are paid and at some point that money's going to run out and if there's no mm-hmm. money coming back in the door, then that's just kind of, that's going to be the end of it pretty quickly. A lot of overhead. There's an office, you know, there were events thrown for NFT NYC and, and a couple more in Los Angeles as well. So there's a lot going out to try and make things happen and not a lot coming back in. So mm-hmm. that is what a lot of the discussion has been at the company since I've joined. And you know, I, I can't share a lot of the details on that yet because it's all still very much a work in progress, but mm-hmm. we all want the same thing at the end of the day, which is we want music to thrive and survive and we want artists to be supported. And as a business, we need to find a way to, to monetize that, which has honestly always been the challenge in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, even for Spotify, you know, if Spotify, and, and, you know, can't even make the margins work, I mean, it's it's tough it's, yeah. it's tough yeah it really is um but yeah no thank you you know for sharing and you know i appreciate the delicacy with which you shared it's a really interesting conversation and i imagine it won't be the first time that we have something like this when the the expectation of you know full transparency uh is you know comes up against some 
of the business realities, um, you know, with when kind of within Web3. And, you know, inevitably Web3 is going to lean a little bit more into the business side of things as more and more money and more and more people come into that. And it would be really nice to maintain, I think, this kind of ethos, the weirdness, the culture that exists now with the expectation of transparency and things like that, and this kind of connective expectation, just being aware of everything that's that's going on. And I'm I'm curious to get your take, just to see like if if that's if and how not even just within the scope of dreams never die, but thinking about like, you know, where that balance is going to fall between transparency, between like this like web three weirdness that that has like can it be sustained as it grows as you know as adoption becomes more more and more yeah i mean that's a that's a really good question and i i definitely do not have the answer i think that you know for a while there there just was money and people mm-hmm. had jobs who are work you know i've never worked in web3 before this is the first time that i've ever been paid to work in web3 mm-hmm. i've never been an employee of anything i've just been a participator you know I'd go in friends with benefits or go in dreams or die and just you know just a, a keyboard ninja um mm-hmm. and and that's all well and good but you know there are people who have been working in web3 for a long time and i've seen some of them get let go from other positions aside from the dreams never die situation and it's just the unfortunate reality of a lot of the money drying up and you know probably a lot of these companies coming out of a extreme hyped up bull market and Mm -hmm. over investing in certain things personnel overhead all these things and there's gonna be a correction and Mm -hmm there will be good people lost and you know whether or not they they disappear is is really up to them but they will have to seek employment other in other places i'm sure um many of them will stay in web3 many of them will will disappear so um yeah i guess all all i can really imagine is that there are going to be people lost due to um the realities of a bear market and that it's probably going to be around for for quite a bit longer um but i think yeah at at the heart there's like a general optimism and like a a desire for for just like cool shit to rise to the top (laughs) so yeah i i I can't uh i can't tell the future but i (laughs) all i can do is hope (laughs) yeah yeah no i think uh you know at its essence like the essence of of like on-chain music culture feels feels pretty strong um and i think we'll we'll cultivate a world in which cool shit does rise to the top at least that's that's what i've seen them it'll be really interesting next couple years to to see like you know obviously a correction was necessary and the amount of hype in the space created a lot of unrealistic expectations um and introduced a lot of actors to the space that had very little interest in anything besides making a buck. Totally. But then again, there was a lot of money because of that hype. And it, you know, there's going to have to be more money in order to continue as, you know, as we're talking about here, you know, in the case of Dreams Never Die, in order to 
persists in order to you know sustain an actual business that can compete with some of the web two alternatives like the existing paradigm i'm i'm curious in what your take is on on like what what is going to happen in in web3 what needs to happen uh in in order for that to edge forward to like start to get a little bit of that hype back a little bit of the money coming back to the space that for you know for nothing else just like creates more resources for the space to continue to build yeah i mean again that's sort of like that's the that's the million dollar question but i <laughs> i do i do think that um the proliferation of ai is going to push a lot of people towards blockchain technology mm-hmm. whether or not that means them coming in sort of like boots on the ground in like what we call web three um and you know being in discord and like being community driven i'm not sure but there's definitely i feel like there's the strongest use case that i've been able to wrap my head around for blockchain when it comes to just like verifying the authenticity of content that is something that is absolutely going to need to happen very soon and um and you could there's a, a very strong argument that blockchain could be the way that that gets done you know there's going to be 50 new drake songs a day up on spotify well there needs to be some mm-hmm. system where like it can be verified for real across any platform that like that track is actually drake's track and the other mm-hmm. 49 of them are not drake mm-hmm. so to me, that's sort of the most interesting thing, and and I I think that could lead to some capital being injected into the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, it's been a really interesting hype cycle the past you know couple of years, going from Web three to AI, which is is only now. I you know, as you're saying, I agree with you. I feel like you know as a point of verification, uh, you know Web three is actually becoming more important due to AI, and I wonder if if some of that you know, those resources that have been going or that have been, you know, transitioned into artificial intelligence is going to work its way back into Web3 to to try to prevent us just being being overwhelmed by a flood of like, I don't know who this is anymore. I don't know it's real, you know? Totally. So, you know, you, you'll get artists that embrace it like Grimes and, mm-hmm. you know, she's very much blockchain savvy and, and wants to integrate that stuff into her work. Um, and then you'll get situations where it's just like UMG issuing a takedown. Um, but I think there definitely can be a middle ground where it's just like, oh, let's just use this, this technology that exists and use it to verify proof of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, from like a label perspective, uh, you know, you know, when you think about dreams never die, is that something you've talked about, uh, you know, trying to protect against, uh, you know, like in, in across like the artist roster, is that is that something that you're working with artists on to prepare for a reality in which AI is going to take over, you know, replicate their personalities and, and, and you know, using blockchain for more than just, you know, the releasing of music NFTs, for instance? Yeah, I mean, I... No, we haven't had those conversations <laughs> yet, mainly because, you know, we're not working with like the biggest artists in the world. And, right, right, right. you know, that's 
if you're going to make an AI AI track, you're not going to make like, you know, a track from from a small or mid level artist. You're going to shoot for the stars and like try and get a viral hit and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so no, we haven't. But you know, that's something I think about personally. Think about like mm-hmm. the voices of my children that are yeah. living on the meta servers, um, and how that can be used against me very easily. And mm-hmm. that stuff's scary. I've seen all the like you know, kidnap hoaxes and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's terrifying. It is. It is terrifying. Um, yeah. We're entering a strange world. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think like, uh, you know, the forward thinkers, like, you know, thinking of like Holly Herndon, Matt Dryhurst, who like, you know, built Holly Plus and like a voice model to... Yeah, to actually totally. license her voice and like create precedent for the, the ways in which people can use it is like, you know, very forward thinking. It makes a lot of sense. It's kind of what Grimes is doing as well. You might as well embrace these technologies. It's going to, they're going to happen and they're going to evolve whether we want them to or not. We can't just go, you know, all the old man yells at cloud on AI. But yeah, it's interesting to think about like, who who is most at risk in in that ecosystem because as you said like not you know if you're going to if you're going to target somebody you're going to you know shoot for the stars but at the same time like all of our voices are out there and like like this podcast is going to be on the internet and you know you can plug this into a you know machine learning model very quickly and like what what precautions should we be taking against that absolutely yeah i'm i am ready to have my mind blown as to what might (laughs) be created in the future you know yeah the the grimes thing is amazing i I think what was her her use of language the other day she said like grimes is now a creative commons project Hmm. and so it's almost like you know like the cco summer that happened Mm -hmm. where like every nft project just became like it's just like all derivatives, but they're all doing well, and they're all yeah. It was all okay. That's what her project is now, and like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you could become a Creative Commons person, and anyone could make your podcast because you've spoken into the microphone enough to have your voice trained. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, geez, that that opens like so many other cans of worms. Like you know, some <laughs> famous, some voice actors got to like got got a super bad cold that day, but has to go you know, tape the voices for like the new SpongeBob SquarePants episode or whatever. <laughs> and they just use AI and then they'll be like, well, shit, why don't we just use AI for the yeah, rest of the anymore. Too. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's like exciting and scary. Mm-hmm. We're more re- replaceable than we think. Yeah. I think that's the most like, you know, that's the scariest part. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't heartened when I saw that, uh, the uh lead AI, they like call him like the ai godfather or something just you know left you know left google and said uh i saw that headline this morning but i, I didn't read the article unfortunately yeah i read it and it it wasn't it didn't really it didn't really comment on like the why and you, you know to any more degree or nuance than like you know some of the things we're we're talking about right now yeah 
but it, is it it isn't heartening when you know that the people who know more about this than anybody else are saying don't do it you know yeah you just got to brace yourself at that point yeah yeah i guess so um but yeah i can outside of the doom and gloom if we set that aside for a second i think that we are entering a world of like some really interesting use cases and like that are that will yield some pretty fundamental changes to the way that we think about i mean everything but let's just you know the concentrate on art you're talking about cco and like creative commons and like putting things out in the public domain and like ai is going to do that for us whether we want to or not and and like even the blockchain i think has some really interesting implications with with things like copyright infringement because it's much more difficult to you know issue a takedown when something is on the blockchain um i saw that like like the ai drake song you know someone minted that that's on the blockchain and that's it's it's interesting and it's it's like this you know really difficult conversation um because like at one hand of course like owning your own shit is really important and we shouldn't seek to infringe upon that ownership and that copyright but then again like the copyright system isn't great either and and thinking about like reverting to more of of like the folk driven methodologies that where attribution you know used to be collective and music was a public good and something that can be shared and of course that's conflated with artists making shit money like you know copyright isn't doing most people any favors these these days unless you're in the 0.01% you know it's a it's a lot to unpack, and I think it you know it can't be one way and it can't be the other way. It's got to be something in between where there's like a happy medium. Right. Obviously, we want artists to be compensated, and we want art to be shared widely. So, how do we find that middle ground where the two can exist at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be an interesting battle with the powers that be. You know, like the big three labels, all the and and our big tech and trying to protect their own interests and in, in the power that they have anyways you know i don't know what's going to happen but it's going to be interesting to to watch we've got a front row seat <laughs> we do we do anyway i'll leave that there on the table for anyone listening just to have for you know food for thought um i have one other question for you sure and it's it's unrelated and at the same time both easier and more difficult to answer but um, (laughs) (laughs) um you're going to a desert island and you get to bring three albums with you which ones do you bring oh man you're gonna have to edit out a very long pause here (laughs) (laughs) the point is it's an impossible question and you can't actually just pick three but like Whatever comes to your head first. Yeah, okay. Um, Jeez. I wasn't kidding. You are going to have to edit out a long pause. I (laughs) want to get this, like, I want to get it semi right. Yeah, fair. fair. Impossible to get it totally right. Um, Listen, my process is like, I want to go with something from my past, something from the middle, and something that's like newer. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid the newer stuff is always, is always hard because you, you don't know if it stands the test of time yet. 
True. Um, so I think, yeah, for for the old school one, I might go with like I'm gonna pick a Weezer record, mm, and maybe nice. it's it's probably Pinkerton. Cool. Although you know, Blue Album is in a real a real dogfight there. So I, I'm gonna go Pinkerton just because there's there's a little more breathing room on that record. Um, and then you know, we got to pick some other genres. Like, let's just make some decisions here. Let's go. Call me if you get lost, Tyler the Creator. Nice, cool, you know, just an incredible record. And then I want something that's like pop that I can like really jam to. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm tempted to just like cheap out and go Taylor Swift, but I might go mm-hmm. like, um, what else is just like got like undeniable songs <laughs> on it? Because that's that's what I'm missing here. I've got like got the art record. I've got like what I would call like alternative rap, alt art rap. And then I just need some, like, I need some freaking hits. <laughs> um, or maybe something vibey. Maybe like a James Blake record. Oh, that's a good That's a good choice. Yeah, maybe that's what I would do. James Blake's first record. That's what I do. Cool. There we go. I think that's a good, I think that's a good, <laughs> good trio. There'll be some pretty good vibes on that island. Yeah, I got rock, I got hip-hop, and then I got, like, mellow, but still with, like, pop influence. Hmm. Nice. Good stuff. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> that was hard. And 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 I appreciate you talking us through the process. I think that's you know the most transparency we've gotten into to anybody's process before. So you know, okay, so nice. <laughs> cool, Tyler. That's that's all I've got. I I really appreciate you. You know, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for your time and energy. Before we go you know where's the best place for people listening to to you know get involved with with all the things you're doing oh yeah for sure um i mean uh, on my personal stuff said the whales the is is my musical outlet so that's you know google that and you'll find all the things um if you want to participate in um collaborative listening and giving money to artists go to listen that's listen with a three dot xyz you can mint a token jump in the discord um, and if you want to figure out the future of a Web3 record label together, that's Dreams Never Die. DreamsNeverDie.xyz is the website, and there's a Discord link there too. So those are sort of like the three places where I split the majority of my time, and I can be found um, generally acting the same in all of those places, I like <laughs> to think. Nice. I love that. Consistent. Yeah, I, I do my best to just, I don't know, I don't got to switch characters. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, cool, man. Well, it's been great having you on, and you know, wishing the best as you push all of all of these things forward. And uh, yeah, and be well. Right on. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, man. Take care. All right, that's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web three music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media. And you can visit us at decentral.io. And remember, only you can prevent and fend off. Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs>